to come before your throne of grace where we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And we do need you, Lord. We need you more than we know, more than we could ever know. We thank you for all that you do for us. And we anticipate you doing all the more in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. A um, couple of things I want to share with you today. Uh, there is a special edition, Bible edition, from Voice of the Martyrs this month. It just gives a good praise report about uh, how they're distributing Bibles um, and how dangerous it is sometimes they they are still smuggling bibles into certain countries here's a picture here of a pack mule he's a smuggler they got bibles stuck all in his in his packs on his so he looks very innocent but he's actually smuggling smuggling bibles amen and that's in syria as a matter of fact and so uh we thank god for the opportunity uh, to serve in those countries and uh, certainly there is much much christian persecution in syria and so for those people to be liberated from cruel dictatorship is a very uh, beautiful thing uh, they want those people want to be free i always remember brigitte gabriel's testimony she has a um uh, organization called act for america uh, she was uh, saved from um, tyranny in Lebanon and she she goes around tells a story of how her country was kind to Muslims and they eventually took over and so she felt that when she came to the United States that would be her message uh, and when September 11 2001 came she knew specifically that she had to do that before it was too late and so uh, she she gives uh, talks, seminars, they raise funds for different persecuted operations, but mostly hers is information on uh, the Muslim teachings and, and uh, how radical Islam uh, can, can infiltrate the minds of even everyday people uh, to cause them to turn against non-believers. And she said, you know, she said we... Uh, we were invaded by Muslim terrorists, our nation was, and she said the only place we had to survive was a cave. And she lived with her two elderly parents in a cave, I think more than 13 years or something like that. And she said her parents always told her, you know, if anything happens, you run. You run for the borders because we are, have lived our lives and we're fine, but we want you to survive. And so she knew she would be a survivor but she said this she said every night we would pray for the americans to come and liberate us she said they never came and amen and so uh, the israelis eventually set them free out of that prison of hiding from the islamic terrorists for all those years amen and <clears throat> amen the Bible says, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it's sin. So if you know to do something right and it's in your power to do it, for you withhold help from somebody is wrong before God. And so we have to always remember that when we talk about uh, not getting involved in these, you know, no war and all. That's fine to say. But the enemy is right here in our own country. You know, and so we could easily be those people 
We could easily be those people because there's enough evil in this world to totally take over. So I'm going to read you some some good stories about people getting Bible smuggled in and uh, how they're persecuted for believing Christ. And then I thought we'd listen to a, a testimony of a young man. So uh, his name is Dan Bauman. He's probably in his, I think, late 40s now. Late 40s, early 50s. I forget when all this happened to him, but um, uh, he's got a very interesting testimony about having been in Iran. And uh, but it's in two parts. But I think we only have time to listen to one because they're about 30 minutes each. So it's an interview, and it's on Voice of the Martyr Radio. So Miss um, uh, um, um, Wani, either you or Shannon, copy that link. And send it to some people and we get everybody sent the link. So you don't have to do it now after it's over, but you'll get a link and you can listen to part two of it where she'll give you the website. It's uh, persecution.com or voice of the martyrs.com and they have a page that, that has all their, their, uh, um, pages on there and go to the one, uh, that says VOM radio and you'll be able to find Dan Bauman and his second second part of his testimony on there. But these things are happening now. They're very enlightening uh, that we can understand what's happening to people who believe the same God that we believe. Just because they believe, they are suffering this way. So after his testimony, we hear that. Uh, then we'll do our prayer. Amen. So here we have, um, this one is about Bibles being smuggled. And it shows you pictures of all kinds of Bibles. I just love to see little children's faces light up when they get their Bibles. Um, I remember seeing a picture some years back of a group of people who were in a very dark room uh, sharing the Bible. And somebody came in and brought a bunch of Bibles. And you, you thought they were starving people diving for food. I mean, it, it was real heartbreaking to just watch how thirsty they are for the word and how uh, scarce the word is to them. And so it's it's very sobering, but also we have to be very respectful of it, do what we can to help these people, which we do. We contribute to them every month. And so we just have to do what we can. But prayer is so important because without our prayers, it, it you know, it can be very bleak and very hopeless for people. So here's a, a woman in India. Her name is Poonam. It says, when she quietly left Hinduism in 2012, the Bible she obtained instantly became her most prized possession. The young Indian wife and mother of three secretly read God's word in her home every day, growing in her understanding of God's love for her. But she feared that her husband would find out about her new faith, and he soon did. After overhearing her praying a Christian prayer one day, he found her Bible and angrily tore it to pieces. From today on, you start reading the Bible. As long as you live in this house, you better not pray. Punam's husband then beat her, eventually kicking her out of the house and refusing to let her see their young sons and daughter. Her Christian faith cost her everything. In India, where a rise in persecution of Christians has paralleled the rise in Hindu nationalism, Bibles are a precious resource that helps new believers continue to grow in faith amid persecution. After losing her Bible and her family, she stayed with relatives and prayed for the return of everything she had lost. Yes! 
A pastor and another believer who lived near her relatives visited Poonan regularly to pray with her. To her great joy, one day they gave her a new Bible provided by Voice of the Martyr. Poonan burst into tears as she received the Bible. Over time, God answered her prayers, restoring her marriage and family. Although her, amen, although her husband has not placed his faith in Christ, his heart has softened toward her and toward the Christian faith. He has even attended church a few times, amen, to see how Christians worship. Poonan, I was going to say, listen, just put it up there, brother, amen. Just high five. Amen. Poonam reads and studies God's word using her new Bible, but she can't give up the tattered, torn Bible that her husband had tried to destroy. It is, after all, how she first learned about Jesus. She recently told a voice of the murder worker that Isaiah 41.10 has special meaning for her. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. My Bible is everything to me, she said. It is the living word of God. Without it, I cannot live. So there's a picture of her with her torn up Bible. Amen. (laughs) She still keeps it. Amen. Praise God. It's nice. Uh, Let me see. We got the four-legged smuggler here. After several boxes packed, Packed with 200 Bibles were strapped to its back. The donkey and its handler headed for the Syrian border, hoping to make it through security and into the war-torn country. They had previously used the same route to smuggle 50 Bibles to a group of Syrian believers, but more Bibles were needed thanks to the growing number of Muslims turning to Jesus. When they arrived at the border checkpoint with their cargo of 200 Bibles, they were turned away by armed guards. But instead of conceding defeat, the donkey handler took a calculated risk. He led the donkey along the border until they were out of view of the guards and then quietly sent the donkey across the border by itself. The donkey already knew... (laughs) He knew where to go. (laughs) He already knew the rugged, mile-long path to Syria and had been rewarded with a candy bar on his last trip. So the handler was confident it would make the trip without his help. And since donkeys transport all kinds of goods across the border, including contraband like drugs and weapons, the pack animal wouldn't, wouldn't look suspicious. Shortly after the donkey crossed the border alone, the handler received a text message from his contacts in Syria. Shipment received. It's the most unique Bible story, smuggling story I've heard, the worker said. But as unusual as the story is, the truly amazing aspect is the growing demand for Bibles coming from former Muslims in Syria. To know the Bibles are going in is an indicator that there is growth among these believers, he said. That is exciting. Amen. So, yeah, <laughs> a candy bar. See, just, he said, if I get this over here, I'm going to get me another candy bar. So, praise God. Amen. <laughs> All right, Courier's Dilemma. After a long flight, four Voice of Martyr workers stepped off their plane and approached Chinese customs with a total of 300 Bibles in their luggage. Several years had passed since Mao's brutal cultural revolution had ended in 1976 and the communist country had cautiously opened its borders to international tourism. Although Bibles were still illegal, the Christian workers knew the need far outweighed the risk of smuggling. 
Three of the workers passed through the customs without incident, but the but authorities stopped one of them and, after searching his bed, confiscated a hundred Bibles. They scolded him for attempting to bring contraband into China, but allowed him to continue his trip. After arriving at their hotel, the group faced another unexpected challenge. The Chinese believer who was to receive the Bibles didn't show up. The Bible smugglers knew it would look suspicious if they remained at the hotel waiting for their contact, but they also knew someone needed to stay in their room to prevent hotel staff from discovering the Bibles. Finally, the four decided to split up, two staying at the hotel while other, the other two visited tourist sites. On the last day of their stay in the city, one of the workers remembered that his daughter had asked him to buy Chinese postage stamps for her collection. While searching for a post office, he and another worker stepped into a small shop to ask directions. To their surprise, the man not only gave them directions, but also closed his shop and accompanied them. Afterward, the shopkeeper walked the two men back to their hotel, continuing their conversation. As the shopkeeper prepared to leave, one of the workers felt the need to say something meaningful to their new friend. He says, have you heard the name of Jesus, he asked them. The man paused and turned. Jesus, yes, the man said. Are you Christians? The shopkeeper's eyes well with tears as the Christian workers confirmed his hopes. I am a Christian, he continued. Until now, I never knew there were any Christians outside of China. After the shopkeeper heard his testimony, the workers asked if he knew a secret house church in the city. The church meets in a room at the rear of my little shop, he replied. Tonight, when it's dark, I'll take you there. That evening, the workers gave the remaining 200 Bibles to the house church members who wept with joy as they accepted what they considered to be miraculous gifts. The next day, as the workers prepared to fly to another city, from the same airport where a hundred of their Bibles had been confiscated, a security official pulled one of them aside. This belongs to you, he said, pointing to a bag of Bibles. Take it with you. Surprised, the worker quickly retrieved the bag of Bibles. While the security officer probably didn't know it, the four smugglers weren't yet leaving the country. Hours later, the group met with their contact, a Christian woman who had spent several years in prison for her Christian witness. After her release from prison, she had immediately begun organizing Bible studies for women. Her biggest challenge, she said, was getting Bibles for these new believers. After hearing the woman speak of the need for Bibles, the workers joyfully presented her with a hundred Bibles with customs officials, with the customs officials had held for them. We, when we look back, we can see how God's hand was in this, he said. If the Bibles had not been confiscated at the first time the group arrived in China, they would surely have taken them with them to the inland and would have given them away. God knew the needs and arranged for the communist authorities to store the Bibles until this meeting could be arranged and the Bibles passed to this lady who was in such great need of them. So, amen? Amen. amen. Hearing God's word in Nigeria, <clears throat> sitting with nearly 60 former Muslims in a room connected to a voice of the martyr safe house, Isaac waited eagerly to hear his name called. Before coming to the safe house in early 2017, his brothers had, tried, had tied his hands to his ankles, whipped him with wires until his back bled, and beat him until one eye swelled shut. 
This was the punishment for expressing a desire to grow in his new Christian faith. After Isaac's sister found him and untied his hands and ankles, he eventually made his way to a voice of the martyr safe house with an increased yearning to know Jesus. But spiritual growth came slowly for Isaac because he didn't have access to a Bible in Fulfoldi, the Fulani language he spoke. Everything changed the day, day Isaac heard his name called at the safe house and walked up to joyfully receive his own audio Bible in the Fulfoldi language. He finally had everything he needed to grow closer to Christ. I'm very happy, he said with a smile after receiving his audio Bible. This is a very good thing. In Nigeria, where 40% of the population cannot read, audio Bibles in the various tribal languages are able to reach people that print Bibles can't. Many who receive a Bible that day treasured theirs for that very reason. They also knew it would help them further develop their new faith. It's interesting to note that many of them cherish this Bible more than Christians who grew up in the faith, the voice of the martyr worker said. For these believers, it is the one thing that they cherish most because they have seen the other side and know the cost of living a life without Christ. Another family living at the safe house said the audio Bible makes it easier for them to have family devotions and discussions about the Bible now that both the husband and wife have their own copy. This will certainly change our walk with God, Abukar said. Even a young child got his own audio Bible. Adamu, pictured left, a four-year-old boy who came to the safe house with his parents nearly cried when his father told him the devices were only for adults. But his face lit up with a smile when a worker insisted on giving him his own audio Bible uh, at the end of the distribution. His smile was so adorable, and his joy in having a player along with the men and women around him showed on his face. He cannot read or write yet, so this MP3 player will help him know the Bible just by listening. In his shy little words, he said, I am very happy. So he got his little player around his neck, beaming. They're pretty people, so pretty. Okay, going digital. Venture pushed 20 blank CD cards into the slots of the duplicator, press record, and then sat back to drink his tea as the duplicator transferred digital copies of the Bible onto each SD card. When the chime sounded, signaling the duplication was complete, he pulled the SD cards out and placed them, replaced them with new blank cards. By the end of the day, he had a pile of several hundred loaded SD cards in his small office in northern India. The digital Bibles were then distributed to traveling evangelists and rural pastors, effectively supplying thousands of Bibles throughout India. Distributing Bibles digitally is an effective way for voice of martyrs to get God's word to persecuted Christians. All of our regions will be distributing digital Bibles this day, this year, they said. Um, Digital Bibles provide crucial advantages over print copies in hostile and restricted areas. They are easier for the owners to keep secret, and they are easier and safer for distributors to transport because of their size and appearance. Digital Bibles on SD cards provide anyone with a computer or cell phone instant access to the scriptures. Additionally, digital players with audio Bibles are ideal for those unable to read. Many churches gather groups of people around one audio Bible to hear God's word. Amen.
Praise God. So good. Uh, let me see. Okay, this will be the last one. <clears throat> when 17-year-old Samachi became the first Christian in her Loatian village almost a decade ago, her family immediately took everything from her. They kicked her out of their home and tried to burn her Bible, fearing it would upset the ancestral spirits they worshipped. Yeah, you better believe it would. Soon, however, God began to restore what she had lost. A sudden rain doused the flames of her burning Bible, saving most of the text. Her pastor's family took her in, helped her start a small business selling snacks, and nurtured her young faith. And later, after hearing her story, a voice of the martyr worker gave Somachi a new Bible so she wouldn't have to read God's word on brittle burned pages. After looking back at everything that has happened to me, I see God's love and God's plan, she said. Now she's 25 years old, a wife and a mother. I see that God helped me. Somachi's Kumu family is one of the three Christian families now living in her husband's village where they grow rice and vegetables. The villagers didn't initially approve of her family's Christian presence there either. They shunned her and her family and tried to kill their goats and pigs. Voice of the Martyr provided aid and a milling machine to help Somchi and her husband support their family. Eventually, the villagers stopped persecuting Christians, realizing that they were kind and helpful and they contributed to the village. Throughout everything she has endured, Somchi has relied on God's word to guide her. You have to have a passion and believe the Lord and trust him. In him, she said, wait for God's way and God's time and read the Bible more and more and you will see how God cares. She and her husband continue to share the gospel with fellow villages, villagers, knowing they could again face persecution as they continue to rely on God's word to guide them in their ministry work. Okay, new laws in China. A new religious ordinance took effect in China on February 1st with the stated intent of implementing greater controls to eradicate extremism in the interest of national security. Under the ordinance, organizers of unapproved religious activities and anyone providing a venue for illegal religious events will face hefty fines. More than half of China's estimated 120 million Christians currently choose to worship in unapproved or illegal house churches rather than join the government-controlled three-self church. Even before the new ordinance took effect, local authorities in some provinces had begun to shut down house churches, force church members to replace religious signs with images of President Jinping, and even renounce their faith. House church leaders told Voice of the Martyr field workers that they would move their congregations underground rather than adhere to restrictive religious laws. So remember that when because China is very dependent on this country for the trade agreements and so forth. And President Trump is very vocal and very bold about defending free worship in the expression of uh, Amen. And he's against this Christian persecution. And so just remember that when you pray 
pray for the leaders that that he would always remember the Christians when he begins to make these negotiations because people would rather have power than not have power and they just as soon give up some things so they can keep control and power. So <clears throat> China has been hurt very much by our attempts to equalize the trade agreements and so they're very bendable as far as but but we believe god that that our leaders can do something to alleviate the suffering of christians everywhere amen amen Amen. Amen. nepal's president approved a bill late last year that criminalizes religious conversions and the hurting of religious sentiment the new law moves nepal a step closer to neighboring india's infamous anti-conversion laws Though the Constitution approved in 2015 declared Nepal a secular nation, the bill passed by the legislature and then signed into law by President Vidya Bhandari is in line with the desires of Hindu nationalists. A provision in the law states that foreigners found guilty of evangelism are to be deported within seven days. Everyone seems to be in a waiting phase now, said Voice of the Martyr Regional Director for South Asia. Local Christian leaders are ready to pay the price for sharing the gospel, he added. But they request prayer that fear will not discourage the Nepali believers. Amen. So when we pray, make sure we're going to pray for Nepal, that fear would not discourage them. So we have some more prayer requests as well. Uh, when we get ready to pray, I'm going to look these over. Miss Wanda, you can put that on. This is, like I said, I'm going to get on online. Dan Bauman. Um, Ms. Shannon, if you can, um, oh, I have one more testimony to read. Shannon, if you can look up, get a bio on him and get like a birth date or something for us cause, so we can know. Um, there's several Dan Baumans when you get on there, so his would be under voice of martyrs or a missionary but he is an author too he's written uh, his book is called cell 53 if anybody wants to read more c-e-l-l and the numerals 53 uh it should be a very very interesting read he, he renamed it recently it was under another name he's maybe written a couple of books not too much but um um um, this pastor we've known for many, many years. Uh, he's a friend of Robert's Laird, and I think he taught at his Bible school at one point. He's always been friendly. Colin Dye is his name. He's pastor at Kensington Temple. I think it's in London. Yeah. A British pastor is calling for genuine freedom in of re, from religion in Morocco after he was refused entry to the country and interrogated regarding informal meetings with Moroccan Christians. Colin Dye, senior leader of Kensington Temple, a multiracial Pentecostal church in Notting Hill, London, arrived in Fez Safe from London on Friday, April 6th, but was stopped, held overnight, and put on a plane to Rome the following day, despite the intervention of three Moroccan human rights lawyers. He was told he was barred from entering the country. Dye has been meeting with Evangelical 
evangelical house church leaders in Morocco for prayer and encouragement and has spent a few days each month there for the last three months with no hindrance. Morocco officially has freedom of religion, but in practice, it is a conservative Muslim country. Although spontaneous conversion from Islam to Christianity is not illegal, the criminal code prohibits attempts by non-Muslims to shake the faith of citizens from Sunni Islam and punishes anyone who employs enticements to undermine the faith of a Muslim or to convert a Muslim to another religion with six months to three years imprisonment. However, Dai, who also teaches on Arabic TV called Kingdom Sat, told Christian today he was there to minister to the church leaders. According to a human rights organizations and local Christian leaders, the government has occasionally detained and questioned Moroccan Christians about their beliefs and contacts with other Christians, and there have been reports of authorities pressuring Christians to renounce their faith. A Cult told Christian today, I am asking for Morocco to put its own constitution into practice and allow freedom of religion. So we'll pray for that too when we get a chance to pray. Okay, so um, this is an interview on Voice of the Martyr Radio. They've really got some good testimonies on there. So uh, just get familiar with their website a little more and you'll be able to find encouraging stories uh, when you're having a day when you're waiting for God to do something for you, take a listen to <laughs> pray for somebody who's really waiting on God to, to help them out. So, You know, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to love our enemies. It sounds nice when you're reading it from the pages of the Bible, maybe sitting in your living room, but it's a lot tougher when you have to live it out. That's what Dan Bauman discovered while in prison in Iran for his faith in Christ. One of the guards at the prison was especially cruel. And it was the very first day when he was beating me. And again, there was no real sense of a reason why or a reason what was going on. Yet, on that day, I felt like God speak to my heart as he was beating me. That, Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are in our studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and we have a very special privilege this week on VOM Radio. We're going to be talking with Dan Bauman. Dan is a gospel worker with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. He's also the author of several books, one of which is called Cell 58, originally published under the title Imprisoned in Iran. He has two other books, A Beautiful Way, An Invitation to a Jesus-Centered Life, and A Fresh Look at Fear, Encountering Jesus in Our Weakness. Dan has an amazing story of being arrested in Iran, being imprisoned there, and even in prison, finding God's faithfulness, finding God's power. Dan, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. It's good to be here. Dan, let's let's talk about how you ended up in prison in Iran. What were you doing going to Iran? 
Well, I actually had lived for 10 years in Afghanistan when I actually moved. Um, and as you begin to know that part of the world, obviously there are neighboring nations. And it was one of those. Turkmenistan used to be a part of the Soviet Union. And since the early 90s became a nation. And it was there that I felt this tug to move to. Uh, the capital city, Ashgabat, very much a um, predominantly Muslim nation. And I went there very much the same kind of heart as I went to Afghanistan, even though there wasn't a job that I could jump into. So I went there as a student. And it was there as a student that within the first few months, another friend from South Africa who was also a language student, we were sitting together playing tennis one day and afterwards thought, what are we going to do over Christmas? We each had two weeks off. <laughs> And we started praying, and I thought, wow, why don't we go to Iran? We're actually on the Iranian border. We were also becoming aware of the Iranian landscape where so much of Iran is actually not the predominant uh, Persian speakers, and there's minority groups, and one of the northeast in the country is actual Turkmen, the same as Turkmenistan. And at that stage, we knew of about one and a half million that had never heard the name of Jesus. And so it was our heart to go in there, maybe start business opportunities, open doors, so future Turkmen followers of Jesus could go in and share their faith. And that was all connected why we applied. My dad is Swiss. I'm American Swiss. So I have two citizenships, and I was able to use my Swiss passport to get a visa. My friend would use his South African. And we got two-week visas, and I fell in love with Iran wonderful people. They were so curious why we were there. We went to restaurants and to hotels, and they would come up to us and ask if we spoke English. And from that, they wanted to know more. We were able to talk very freely about our faith every night as they came to us and talked to us. And they were just a lot of hunger. And there was so much hunger. And we just had a great time eating their food, enjoying their hospitality, getting to know them. Yeah, we fell in love with the country. So your two-week visa is up. You're ready to head back to Turkmenistan. When did you know that things weren't going to go according to plan? It was on a local bus crossing the border back into Turkmenistan when they took our passports at the border. And typically, they would take them, stamp them, give them back. But for us, we never got them back. We waited, waited. There were about 15 locals that were on the bus that got their passports back. They were back on the bus. And finally, the bus driver came to us and said, are you guys coming? And I'm like, yeah, we're coming. Yeah, we're just waiting for our passports. And it was about an hour later that they actually had to leave. And we kept waiting. And it was about six hours later that they came to us, the authorities, and said, yes, we've taken your passport, send them to the capital city, which is Tehran, which is about 15 hours away by bus. We're like, why? What's the reason? What's the problem? We thought we had the right visas. They said, sorry, no, you didn't. We don't know exactly. But if you want to get your passports back, here's the place to go. And they gave us an address. In Tehran in Tehran that we had oh to go my. to. And without any explanation why, that was our situation. 
I do a lot of traveling, so having the visa is, yeah, you have to do it, but we had done it the right way, as far as we knew. So why was this happening, and what does this really mean? But what could we do except to follow through um, on this situation? And I had heard many stories in life where people have had a visa problem. They get it sorted through a meeting, through a small payment. So that was in my heart. Like, oh, that's what's going to happen. It'll be a short visit. I might have to pay a little money, but it's all good. We're going to get our passports back and be on our way. So you head back to Tehran. You go to the office where you're supposed to go to, quote, pick up your passports. And what happened? As we walked in, we were met kindly by people. And they said, oh, we've been waiting for you. And we'd like to talk to you privately. And that's when they take my friend to one room and they take me up these stairs to another room. And it was then that they closed the door and began to beat me for about five, six hours, beating me in the face, yelling at me, screaming at me. I speak the Iranian language, very much the same language as Afghanistan, where I lived and worked. Dialect difference, but very similar. So what were they asking? Uh, what did they think you were that, that you needed to be beaten? They just thought I was lying about everything, including my Swiss citizenship, that I was actually just an American, not a Swiss. They thought about my Christian things, like how can you talk about Jesus? Don't you know we're a Muslim nation? Don't you know we don't allow that you do what you do? And they were even making things up. And so they were probably told, just yell at these guys, don't answer their questions. And I was, it was very vague. There was no clear explanation why it was happening, clear explanation what was going on. So you've gone from thinking, okay, I'm going to go to Tehran, probably going to pay somebody a little bit of gift money, and then they're going to give me my passport and I'm going to be out of here, to now you're locked in a room and someone's beating on you. So now what's going on in, in your heart and in your spirit? Oh, yeah, total fear, you know, total anxiety. Yeah, what I've lived in that part of the world. And so uh, what I've heard from others in terms of a situation where you've got a problem, you go in, you deal with it, you get on your way. One or, you know, two hours max. No beatings for sure. And so there was something very different. And then that led towards when we were blindfolded, brought back together, thrown into a van, taken to another building. And then it was 100% real, like we are getting imprisoned, like this is real. Did you sense God in any of this? Did, did he say anything? Was there any verses or stories or encouragement that came to your mind? Or was it just that panic feeling of this is going very wrong? I don't have any idea how bad this is going to get. You know, I am probably not that strong a Christian. I don't know, but yeah, it was the panic. It took over. And yeah, later on in my story, there were moments of seeing the goodness of God. But in the beginning, it was all panic. And I was shaking the whole time, very, very nervous. Um, yeah, using the restroom every 15 minutes. Yeah, whatever panic does to us, it was on me. How or when did you kind of get past that just utter fear? Well, 
again, it was uh the grace of God when we were finally taken to the other building, when we had all our clothes taken away, glasses, watch, everything, put into prison clothes. That's when we were led down these stairs and separated. And that's when it got really real. Like we're really in prison as they put me in one cell and my friend into another one. And from the very beginning, the goodness of God came to my heart where I felt like God speak to my heart. And again, you know, we receive impressions or the sense of leading in different ways as we walk with God around the world. But that day was very specific. Uh, I felt these words come to my heart. You're going to be here for nine weeks. But as I grew up and, you know, I grew up in a situation where hearing God's voice or a sense of God's leading was very volatile. You didn't know. You weren't always sure. So that was definitely not God because nine weeks. No, I don't want nine that. Nine weeks is a long time. But I'll never forget. It was nine weeks to the minute. Wow. Later that I was actually released. And that was God's way in the very beginning of my incarceration to let me know I am with you and I do understand. And I have a plan. I've already planned this whole thing out. (laughs) You just walk through it. Yeah, yeah. You just walk through it. And of course, I, I didn't understand. But yeah, that God was with me. I want to talk about some of the low points. And I know you write in your book about the day that you decided, you know what? I'm done. I just want to get out of this planet and go somewhere else. Tell me about how you got to that point, uh, and then tell me what happened after that. Throughout those beginning days, I was beaten almost every day, and the reality of the fact that there wasn't any clear definition why I was there and how long I would be there, what exactly was I there for, this was all vague. And so with that came, yeah, just depression that maybe I'm going to be there a while. And I had very regularly at least a moment of every day thinking, okay, today I'm out, today I'm free, today I'm going to get out of here. And then at the end of the day, I realized, oh, it's not true. And so that kind of settled deeper and deeper and deeper in my life that I might never get out. There hope was leaving me. And it was at that point, about two and a half weeks in, that I hit the lowest point of my entire life. And I woke up one day, and I had heard a rumor by a couple guards. Again, it was still in the rumor stage because nothing was definite. But one of the guards had said to somebody else that I would be there for at least nine months And then there were other rumors about the extension of me actually being there for years and years. And this hit me this one day, and I was just done. Like, Dan, get real. You're going to be here forever. Like, why are you here? And from that came this thought, why spend the rest of my life here? And in my room, I had an idea. There was a sink. It had brackets connecting the sink to the wall places on the brackets where you could tie something and they had given me a big towel and I thought if I plug it with my sock I could fill it with water and then if I stick my head fully underneath the water I could tie a towel on one end take the towel over my head and then tie it really tight on the other end pressing my head down in the water being fully immersed 
And I thought to myself, if I tie it really, really tight, then six, seven minutes from now, I'm actually done. Like, I'm gone. And I thought to myself, this will work. I can get out of here. And four times I tried. And every time I tried, I was too scared. I was too scared to tie the other side of the towel tight. So when I would try, I would loosen it or and be able to jerk my head out because I was too scared. And I'll never forget the last time I tried. Again, I tried. Again, I couldn't do it. And I would jerk my head out. And it was on that fourth time that my heart broke. And I fell to the ground if I was ever weak. I knew it at that moment. If I was ever broken, if I was ever aware of my shame, I just lied in that floor just feeling terrible. Like, how could I do this? How could I try to kill myself? How could I try to end my life? Like, this is crazy. And yet, in my broken state, I felt something, and the room starts to shake. As it starts to shake, I lifted my head from the floor I had the normal lighting from the light bulb, but there was something very different. The room was a glorious white light. That's all how I can describe it. And then I had a vision. I've had a few visions in my life, and this one was really clear. It was Jesus standing in front of me. Like we might have seen in movies or on books, it was the same picture of Jesus standing in front of me But what I saw was his face, which was filled with love, kindness, caring. And then I felt his hands come underneath me. And I felt like God speak right to my heart the most loving words. Dan, I love you. And I promise I'll carry you through this time. And from that day until today, I have never had those thoughts again. Because in the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of me having nothing... God was still good, and he met me, and he gave me hope. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dan Bauman. He is the author of a book called Cell 58. And, Dan, I want to read just a just a paragraph from the book because I think this is really interesting, and I want, I want you to share kind of some behind-the-scenes about it. But it starts out, Following the suicide attempt, I felt a closeness with God that I had not experienced in prison up until that time. I had a new joy and certainty in my heart, and I sensed a new expectation inside that I couldn't explain. How do you, do you have more of an explanation now? The fact that you've just hit this lowest, lowest point that you could possibly hit, and now you come out of that into a a new sense of God's presence and a new awareness of how real he is. Yeah, throughout my life, I've gotten so excited about not only God, but out of that came the privilege to serve God and do something for God. And all of us in different ways and levels get to live that out. And yet, in the back of my mind, I thought, Okay, I have that going on, but there are definitely limits. There is definitely things I cannot do, should never do, that is as if I'm crossing a line. And at that point, for sure, a suicide attempt was crossing the line. Like, there's no return. God would never still accept me. God would never still love me. God would never still want me. 
like there was a love of God for sure, but there were lines that you can't cross. And yet, after I had crossed that line, you know, the unforgivable sin, so to speak, the one thing you should never do, yet at that moment, he still loved me and he proved it. He still cared for me. That's why joy came back, because I thought I had passed the limit. But there wasn't a limit. Like, he still was for me and with me. And, yeah, it changed my life. God taught you some things in prison about loving our enemies. We have a hard time with this in our culture right now. <laughs> some of oh, us yeah. have a hard time loving our friends. <laughs> what did he teach you, and how did that how did that become real, what it means to love our enemies? Yeah, there were a few things that Jesus taught me that were so significant. And I'll never forget the first day that I was taken, I was beaten by a man that would end up being the only man that would beat me every day. And so I just call him my interrogator. And it was the very first day when he was beating me. And again, there was no real sense of a reason why or a reason what was going on. And yet, on that day, I felt like God speak to my heart as he was beating me that, Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. <laughs> and I remember thinking, not now. Thank you. Because the reality was there was complete injustice of the moment as far as politics go. I should see an embassy. I should have justices read to me. Why he was beating me was unknown. It was very much just a shady situation. What about my rights? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was my rights were being violated. My rights were being taken away without any real reason. And so, yeah, love him. No, 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 no. I'll love other guys, but not this guy. And that's when I felt it strong again and again. Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. And I'll never forget when I was complaining almost to God, like, I can't do that. No way. This is too much not going to happen now. That I felt like God challenged me with another question, a statement. Dan, ask me what I think of him. And in that simple words came the reality that God changes the subject. And I love when God changes the subject. Because life was all about me, and yet at that same moment, there was something else going on, and that was what God thought and what God, how he cared for that man. So I stopped, and I'm like, okay, God, I don't understand, but what do you think of this man? And the love of God hit my heart. The love of God filled my heart. I began to realize that God did love this man, that he loved him forever. He loved this man. He loved his wife. He loved his kids. There was just one challenge, and it was that that man didn't know it. And the love of God hit my heart. While this guy's beating you. While he's beating me, yeah. And so it was, yeah, this change of subject. Yes, I'm feeling terrible while he's beating me. But yet at that moment, taking a second to say, God, what is on your mind? What is on your heart for this man? And that's when it overwhelmed me. And so though I was being beaten and though I was so, yeah, in a way angry and upset, 
yet this revelation in my heart that God did love him arrested my heart, so to speak. And I remember looking up to God, and this would happen over the period of weeks, saying the same thing over and over again, God, change my heart. God, change my heart. Make me more like you, because I'm not there. (laughs) And all I can say is all glory to Jesus, but over the coming weeks, he did change my heart. I kept getting beaten. I kept having these unexplainable moments where he would hit me without any clear reason, my rights being completely violated. But my heart got arrested by God's love for this man more than that. And that was a growing sensation, reality in my mind and heart. And so I tried to step out in it saying, God, help me love him. Help me care for him. And something grew to where I started to actually care for him and care for him more and try to love him and try to speak well of him. And again, that's all glory to God because that wasn't my initial experience. But God changed my heart over time where I could look at him through the lens of what God thought of him, not through the lens of what was happening. That's Dan Bauman telling us an amazing story of God's power to change our hearts and do something inside of us that seems impossible. Thankfully, most of us won't ever be in prison in Iran, but all of us are going to feel injustice, like we're being treated unfairly, or someone else doesn't care or understand our point of view. Just like the Holy Spirit gave Dan Bauman the ability to love He can do the same thing for us, whatever enemies we may be dealing with today. Dan is a gospel worker with YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and the author of a book called Cell 58, which tells the story of his imprisonment in Iran. I highly recommend the book to you. We'll give you a link to that book when you visit our website, vomradio.net. That's also where you'll find other stories like Dan's. These are stories that will help prepare your heart for persecution should you ever face that. But even if you don't face persecution, these stories help us to keep a godly perspective for the day-to-day challenges that we do face. Again, visit vomradio.net. Listen to past episodes of VOM Radio. You can also listen on the VOM Radio podcast stream. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Good story. Those things can happen to anybody at any time, folks. He was expecting to business as usual and got sidetracked. The Bible says steps of a good man are ordered by God. Amen. And he delights in his way. So there are some things that we don't understand, things that seem brutal unkind and unfair but God still manifests himself greater we don't see how it could be greater but he does manifest himself greater in these situations so we're going to pray um, the uh, prayers I have some, the list of the areas we're going to pray for today uh, and um, it, who has that link Miss Nola did you, were you able to get it you can text it to people amen Miss um, Juana, why don't you text it to people in Detroit? That'll make it easier. We just split up everything, and and then that way go to there because there is a part two. We just don't have.
time to do it all right now. We got to pack up and everything. But uh, we're going to pray now and listen to that. In fact, we'll probably on your way home, you can probably they can listen on their phones and stuff if they want to on the way home too, right, Miss Juan? Yeah. So we'll probably do that if you want to hear the rest of it. Okay. So you guys pray in the spirit, and I'll pray in the English, and we'll pray our. A protection prayer for those who are persecuted. Father, we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you. We worship you, and we magnify you, Lord. We pray for uh, this family in Tajikistan, uh, that they would be uh, uh, protected from the KBG interference in Nigeria. Uh, these peoples whose village has been attacked, we thank you for protecting them. Thank you, Lord. We pray for the family of a, um, a former Muslim who passed away uh, in Bangladesh. We thank you for Minamar, for the Christian orphans there. <clears throat> they were abducted after sharing the gospel. We pray for their return. We pray for Iran, for two believers awaiting uh, a ruling on an eight-year prison term. And we thank you, Father, to set them free in the name of Jesus. We pray for Uzbekistan, for uh, these people who are trying to interrogate an eight-year-old Christian boy and ongoing harassment of him uh, because he is a believer. He's one of yours, Father, so we ask you to protect him. We pray for India, for a family facing persecution following their daughter's death, Lord. And we thank you for that, Father, that they would be set free. In the name of Jesus, they converted from Hinduism. We pray for Israel and the Bible bookstore in Tel Aviv. And we thank you, Father, uh, that the owner being on trial uh, was accused by the property owner of conducting missionary activities and violating his rental agreement. So we thank you for justice there, Father, in Jesus' name. We pray for this family, Christian families in Laos who were evicted from their village, that they would have a place to stay. Pray for those in Tanzania uh, where they uh, want to expel Christians from their villages. We thank you, Father, for India, for family shunned because of their Christian faith, that they would find community and fellowship. In Bangladesh, for Christian brothers who were beaten and threatened. And we thank you, Lord, that the Hindus and Muslims there, Father, we thank you, Lord, that they will uh, cease in their maneuvers against your people in the name of Jesus. We pray for, thank you, Jesus, for Pakistan, uh, for the church attacked in the village, and we thank you, Lord, for setting them free, making them attack free. We pray for Israel, for the Messianic Jews uh, facing threats for their evangelistic work. We pray for China, for uh, <clears throat> Their safety concerns, Father, uh, that their church was closed, and we thank you for safety for them, and we bless you and we praise you. Pray for Laos, for believers uh, being arrested there and for leading others to Jesus. We thank you and we pray for Algeria, for Christian, for the churches that have been closed there by the authorities in Algeria. We pray for Nepal, uh, for a safe house, for a mother and daughter staying there. We thank you for protecting them. We pray for Indonesia, for the evangelist arrested on false charges, the former Muslim, and he's now a Christian. We thank you, Father, to set him free. We pray for Pakistan, for a teenage boy accused of blasphemy, Father. We thank you that he will be set free in Jesus' name. So, Father, we bind spirits of destruction, retaliation, and death. We plead the blood of Jesus over these people. We dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, Lord. Saturday.
satisfy us with long life. We pray the blessing of Moses that we live to be 120. Our eyes would not be dimmed or our natural strength abated. Not a hair of our heads will fall to the ground in Jesus' name. No weapon is formed against us will accomplish what it sets out to do. Because we are blessed coming in and going out. We have strength for coming in and going out. We have power to tread on serpents and scorpions. If we eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt us. If the enemy comes at us one way, he missed flee seven. One can chase a thousand. Two of us can put ten thousand to flight. Thank you, Lord. Your glory goes before us. It is our rear guard. That every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, we will condemn. Others trust in the arm of flesh, but we trust in the living God. Your mercy hovers over us. And quietness and confidence shall be our strength. Lord, you're our sun, our shield, our banner, our healer, our peace, our great reward. Your name is a strong tower. We run in and we are safe. And by your stripes we were healed. We are redeemed from the penalty and curse for our sins by your blood. Thank you, Lord, that none of the diseases that you put on the Egyptians will be put on us. You send your word and heal us, and we walk in the spirit, not the flesh, but we walk in joy, and we walk in strength. In Jesus' name, we pray for protection against persecution. Thank you, Lord. We submit to you. Resist the devil and he must flee. We command the enemy to flee from the persecuted one seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God. We resist retaliation against our accusers. We are serving you. And why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sit in the heavens are laughing. Behold their threatenings. Stretch forth your hand to heal, O God, and do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. We declare that the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let the ungodly fall by their own counsels. Lord, we ask you to judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my integrity that's in me. Let the mischief of all spiritual forces who persecute us return upon his own head. Keep us as the apple of the eye. Hide us on the shadow of thy wings. Thank you for teaching our hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms. Thank you that you have given us the necks of our enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar the threats against us. Cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against me without cause and who hate me. Lord, we know that it's nothing for you to help. Help us, O Lord our God. Save us according to your mercy. Let your hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. But the Lord is with me as a mighty terrible one. And therefore my persecutors shall stumble. They shall not be afraid. They shall be greatly ashamed for they shall not prosper. And their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. In Jesus name. Amen and praise God. We thank you Father. Thank you Lord. Bless you Jesus. Praise your holy name Jesus. We praise your holy name. Thank you Lord. We bless you Jesus magnify you we praise you jesus hallelujah thank you lord we bless you we magnify you we praise your holy name thank you lord praise the name of the lord jesus christ praise the name of the lord jesus christ praise the name of jesus thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord 
Thank you, Lord, for forgiving our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord, that our prayers are, are heard as righteous people. Father, we thank you that they are answered according to your law of righteousness. We thank you that we can have what we say and what we declare. Thank you, Lord, for goodness and mercy to follow those who are persecuted. Thank you, Lord, for understanding to come to them swiftly and deliverance to come to them swiftly. Father, we thank you to put confusion on the enemy that he would not be able to gain strength and continue to damn and persecute people. He has no authority, has no power, he has no right to power over your people. So we thank you, Lord, for liberating your people in a great way. We thank you, Lord, for great liberation from your people. Thank you, Lord, that Asia Bibi will be released from prison in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that all the pastors who are incarcerated will find kindness from their captors and be released in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for reuniting families. Thank you, Lord, for taking the anger and bitterness out of their captors in Jesus' name. Win them over with your love. We thank you, Lord, for many souls to be converted to Christ in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that they will be changed. Thank you, Lord. Your love will change them. We thank you, Father. We bless you and we praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.